Welcome to another edition of The List, a right fiction podcast. We've got a great show for you all today about our favorite songwriters. Before we get started, if you love the pod, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your listening app. It helps us reach new listeners like you. Also, be sure to check out our companion Spotify playlist with all our picks that we mentioned in the pod. The link is in the show details. Now, on to the show. A long time ago, when I was fairly new at songwriting, I dated a girl who was also a songwriter. And what broke us up was that she thought all my songs were weird and just fundamentally wrong. She said that my chord choices were all funky and that if I didn't stick with the one, four, five method of songwriting, then my songs were dumb. Needless to say, I stopped seeing her rather quickly. But she definitely made me think about the notion of form in songwriting and also what actually makes songs and songwriters good or bad. To her, it was some strict notion of what she learned in some book, or maybe it was her notion of how her favorite songwriters approach the craft. However, to me, all my favorite songwriters almost never use strict notions to confine themselves. So it gives. Was she right or was I? Now that I'm a bit older, I'm not really sure. Today, I can see how we might both be right and wrong at the same time. It makes you think, what really makes a songwriter great? Is it the lyrics, the form, the arrangement, the delivery? As songwriters, the guys in the band with me all have different and sometimes hardcore notions of what songwriting is. Fortunately for me, I know we won't be breaking up anytime soon. But on the pod today, we'll dig into the notion of what makes a songwriter great as we discuss our very favorite songwriters and why we love them. So hang out with us for a bit and see if our list matches yours. And with that, on to the show. On the show today, of course, we have Brendan McGeehan. Hey. Adam Zielinski. Hello. Freddie B. Freddie Berman. Hola. Um, Brendan, give me your first pick, man. Yeah, let's get to it. My first pick is an oldie but a goldie. I'm going to go with Mr. George Gershwin. And when we thought about this topic, to me, he is quintessential, one of the best songwriters of all time. I only uh, sort of, well, not learned, but someone uh, put it to me recently, a real jazz guy that I respect, of pretty much all jazz tunes are based off of the blues or rhythm changes. And rhythm changes coming from I Got Rhythm from George Gershwin. So when you're responsible for that large <laughs> that large swath of the Great American Songbook, I think you got to be on our list. All right. So uh, my number three is uh, Jeff Tweedy of Wilco fame. Just, uh, I mean, if, uh, for those of you that go way back, he was uh, with Jay Farrar and Uncle Tupelo, and he was just kind of a you know, snot-nosed kid band that looked at his Jay Farrar's band, and when they split off, no one thought that Jeff Tweedy had this in him, and he just, he really just captures, for me, like this, uh, I mean, I'm an alt-country guy, I'm a country guy, but he brings like the, the folk sensibility of the songwriting into like more of a country feel, and just, uh, and he always finds good guys to play with, I think he uh, you know, the Jay Bennett and then, uh, you know, Nels Klein and Glenn Kochke on the drums eventually. I mean, just, just he, you know, and he, uh, he just keeps doing it. He keeps doing it. I mean, I'd say there's half a dozen albums that I put way up there with great songwriting. So Jeff Tweedy at my number three. And my first choice that I'm going to speak about, because I never really put them in order, is a woman named Laura Nero who uh, may you might not know her, but you probably know some of her songs. She's a great songwriter from New York City, and uh, she's probably more famous for songs that other people recorded of hers, some of those people being uh, Three Dog Night, Barbara Streisand, Fifth Dimension. Uh, I'd say you're probably a pretty good songwriter if people like that cover your material. Unfortunately, she's not with us anymore. She passed away way too young. But, uh, yep, Laura Nero is the first person on my list. Or third. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, 
my number three pick today is Rufus Wainwright. He is the you know the son of Loudon Wainwright, Wainwright and Kate McGarrigle, and also the old brother of uh, Martha Wainwright. Um, his music is uh, very dense and and lush. Um, and uh, you know a lot of people describe it as um, you know kind of baroque pop, if you will. And that's that's really what draw, draw, draws me to it is the denseness, the musicality of it, the um, uh, dynamics of it, the uh, tension and release of it. Um, and that's my number three pick, Rufus Wainwright. Cool. All right. Now we're in round two. I'm going to start round two with Carol King, who to me is an absolute juggernaut of the songwriting world. And in the most classic sense of the world, in terms of her beginnings, her job was writing songs for other people. I mean, that, that was she was a professional songwriter. And then a lot of people only know her for when she came out and became a recording artist in her own right. And Tapestry, we could probably do a whole podcast episode about. She's just amazing. Some of the best songs ever. And the artists who have covered her songs uh, verify that time and time again. And we come to my number two, and we, uh, we go with the... Uh... A very uh, songwriter of songwriters, Randy Newman. Kind of, uh, I, I'd say, if to describe him for uh, the, the non-knower, kind of like, uh, kind of like he took the Brill Building and kind of went a little outside of the box with it a little bit. He's got, he's got a very, uh, I'm not say straightforward style, but he's got a great, great formula for songwriting. He's got a, a great wit about him, but I feel like he, uh, he never gets like goofy with it, and he's great. He can, he's one of those writers that like. He's not like a personal writer. He kind of assumes characters, and and it has. What do, you, what do you mean? He never gets goofy with it. What does that mean? <laughs> Family Guy would uh, argue with that. Well, that's the. I mean, I think it's more of like a, a drier wit. It's not. It's, it's, <laughs> it's right. an indirect, more indirect wit. You know gotcha. I mean? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I know. Yes, left foot, right foot. Yeah, I know all all, all that whole thing. <laughs> but uh, and he does get. I mean, maybe a little. But uh, he does kind of. Um, he does things from a character perspective, and I think it has got him in trouble a little bit at times. But uh, I mean, he, he, I mean, heck, I mean, Harry Nielsen did a whole album of his songs, like after he wrote two albums and Nielsen just, I mean, we'll get into that later, but I mean, he's now he's like the Pixar guy. I mean, he's, you know, anybody who is like a songwriting junkie has Randy Newman on their list. Bar none. Number two, Newman. All right. Second person on my list is uh, Bob Dylan. What can you say? Hackett. Written, uh, <laughs> you might not love his voice, but man, he's written a song or two, uh, and he's got a he's got a way with words, and uh, kind of hard to have a songwriting conversation uh, concerning modern music, quote unquote, without adding his name, having his name on the list, for sure, for yeah. sure, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I guess I'm uh, ending this second round here um, with the purple one, uh, Prince. Um, awesome, everything. Uh, I mean, if you listen to just you know the song "Adore," um, it's just the music is amazing. It's sexy. It's like raunchy. It's beautiful. Um, or, or pink cashmere with the uh, strings at the end. Um, like, come on, that's like crazy awesome. Is that and production or writing though? I think for him, it's both. It's one right and on. the same, All right. in, in my opinion. Okay, cool. Sorry, um, sorry. I'm making you a coat of pink cashmere. Love it, love it. I mean, like, that song is so dumb, but it's so <laughs> awesome. Uh, for me, that's what makes it so awesome. It's so dumb um, that I'm just like walking down the street talking yelling on on front street uh about pink cashmere and not thinking any any ways about it um so that's my um that's my number two pick prince nice cool all right final round i feel like we need a drum roll for my number one pick thank you freddie that seemed that's inappropriate uh for my number one pick i i Tried to deny him, and I ultimately couldn't deny him. I went with Tom Petty. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Tom Petty. Uh. 
I didn't think that was you, to be honest. I didn't think that was you. Yeah, I know. And it's not that I'm like a giant petty guy, but what I'll do is I'll reference a bit from comedian Mark Marin, and he has a bit where he talks about people of complete opposite ends of the spectrum, walks of life, political ideologies. It's like, yeah, but but petty, right? Everyone can <laughs> everyone can kind of agree on petty for the most part. And he's I like know, the male Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, he's a treasure. I don't know if these types of statistics are kept, but I would be willing to bet money that Petty has the highest proportion of hit songs per record. It's like, if you look at the discography, like half the songs are really widely known. So that's my number one. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Just before I get to mine, like Petty's just like that, that guy that you know, that you don't even know, you know, it's like, it's just that it's just so much part of uh, American culture. It's insane. But, uh, for my number one, I had to get this one in quick because I knew everyone wanted it. Because it, I mean, Joni Mitchell. I mean, just you know, you're talking the mountaintop of songwriting. It feels like she uh, feels like she's like reading out of her diary to you, you know. And just she she makes phrases work that no one else could make. And on top of it, especially a lot of these people we're talking about, like are like songwriters and and have okay other tools. But Joni Mitchell has maybe my favorite female voice as well. On top of all of this, and just as this way of coloring things. And also I just recently read her bio. So I'm like, okay, I have to pick her, you know, just cause I can speak on her very well. And, and just, I mean, once again, and you know, much in that, right in that Dylan thing, it's like, you can't have a songwriting conversation without Joni Mitchell. No shot. Number one. Also, also a surprise uh, pick for me. I, I, I thought for sure this was Freddie. Well, I got ahead of him is why I, why I, got, <laughs> I, I got in first. It's the only reason I have. It. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my uh, third and final pick is going to be Mr. William Smokey Robinson. Uh, He of great Motown fame, who, about which Bob Dylan actually said, he once called Smokey Robinson America's greatest living poet. I mean, come on, who else would ever use politics Pagliacci in a That's pop true. song. <laughs> Tears true. of a Clown. Yeah. Come on. It's like Ryan Nobody. Nobody. I mean, I, I will say with that song, though, he was kind of set up very nicely with the music. I, I'm just going to say that. The music Although, on that song was was incredible, and he yep. didn't make that music, just so you it know. Is. He didn't write that music. Well, who knows? I know. I know he didn't maybe... <laughs> Play the oboe, but maybe he said, "Hey, I want. I'm hearing some oboe in there. I don't. Know. I'll, get, I'll give you the story in a second. Oh, okay, cool. Right on. Uh, anyway, yeah, Smokey Robinson has written talk about tunes that are part of the American, for sure. You know, canon or for sure. You know, so we're even to be covered by covered by uh, D'Angelo. I mean, come on, that's. I mean, in he's been covered by everybody. Cool. My yeah, whole definitely. list is half songs that other people covered definitely. of his. Absolutely. Well, especially Motown because he was kind of a staff writer there. Right. So, so the, yep, that's my uh, last pick. And awesome. off to you. Awesome. Um, so my number one favorite songwriter of all time is Steve Lynn Hardaway Morris. Um, who also wrote the uh, the music for Smokey Robinson. He wrote the music for Tears of a Clown, and he gave it to Smokey on his birthday as a birthday present. Wow. Did not and then, know that. Yeah, and then Smokey wrote the lyrics, which which the lyrics, I mean, Pagliacci, I mean, come on. Like, that is that is pretty impressive. It is. Um, um, so, but yeah, Stevie Wonder is my favorite um, songwriter of all time. Um, didn't see and, that one. Uh, was that? <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. That's a shock to no one. <laughs> it, it definitely, I thought it was gonna throw you guys for a loop. Uh, uh, you're right. uh, <clears throat> uh, my my favorite song of his, you know, is "Send One Your Love" off the uh, um, Secret Life of Plants album, um, which nobody's probably um, heard of um, outside of like maybe us or whatever. But um, it's awesome awesome um album awesome songwriter um and his out uh, his music his songwriting makes me just uh gives me all the feels all the time 
um, on all the levels. The the top level where it's just like interesting, uh, like the candy level, and then if I sit with it, it you know I listen to the instrumentation or the harmony or harmonies or har- harmonics in it, and I'm just like or the drumming or the rhythms. Every layer is just so fascinating and uh, interesting to me. So that's why he's my number one pick. And um, that was a great picks, guys. And with that, we're going to take a short break. And we will be back in a second with some discussion. Hold on. And we are back. Um, and so for me, uh, discussing uh, favorite songwriters was um, very, very, very hard to narrow these picks. There's so many songwriters out there um, that are just so amazing. Um, and um, so, uh, Brendan, like, w- who are the songwriters that, like, um, were just so tough to make to make your list? Um, I know you put um, Gershwin in there, but... Um, what about people like, you know, Cole Porter or, you know, any one of these um, other like, um, you know, old school, not old school, but American songbook type people. Um, what uh, was it? Uh, is it Henry Mercer? Is that his name? Uh, um, Johnny uh, Mercer. Uh, Johnny Mercer, sure. Henry Mancini. Henry Mancini. Yeah, Peter right. Walton. Yeah. Right. I mean, so many to pick from. Moon River. Is, it's almost like you can't beat Moon River almost. But uh, go ahead, man. I got gotcha. you. No, I think uh, I I did want to make sure the the older era, the classic era, the you know sort of heartland of jazz standards and show tunes were would be represented on the show today. So for me, it was just looking at the tunes. Gershwin's tunes have always held a, a special place for me. I remember the first time I heard Rhapsody in Blue, it was like I I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It totally blew me away. I think. I think he had a gift for melody, um, as well as the well-established gift of of harmony, of writing really iconic chord changes. So that's why he edged out the others in the in the old school category for me. And in the intro, you mentioned something about um, like his rhythm or or how, how he how he introduced uh, the concept of rhythm or something into the songwriting. Um, could it, you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So it, it's actually the tune he wrote called "I Got Rhythm," mm, and right. so. Um, I know just enough about jazz vocabulary to know that I don't know much, but um, a lot of times jazz cats, as we'll call them, if you're talking about tunes and be like, oh, it's just rhythm changes. And they're referring to I Got Rhythm by George Gershwin. It's not actually a rhythmic pattern. It's the chord changes. It's a chord progression that they're referring to. And so I Got Rhythm is the basis for hundreds, probably thousands of jazz standards, because you take those chord changes and then you can do mm. a lot of substitutions and ju- and jazz chords to flavor it differently. And so that was a foundation of what we what has over the decades um, turned out to be many, many different variations of I Got Rhythm. Particularly in the early bebop days. Mm. Completely. That- that that was you know a lot of Charlie Parker's uh, songs were based on the rhythm changes. What is it, thirty-two bar uh, form? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Huh. Um, and speaking of the uh, traditional songwriters, the 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 iconic songwriters, um, we we can't really go deep at all without mentioning Bob Dylan. Um, uh, what what is what does Bob Dylan kind of mean to you as a songwriter, um, Freddie? Um, well, I, you know, his lyrics to me, he, he, he kind of, he took a lot form wise from, you know, the Irish ballads and, you know, English drinking songs, whatever. But I think he added a whole nother layer to it with his lyrics, his stream of consciousness, you know early 60s maybe being influenced by the beats by the beatniks and also woody guthrie obviously was a huge influence on bob dylan um 
and he created something new, you know, with, you know, songs that was just like verse after verse after verse, but the lyrics are so great that it draws you in, even though it's basically just the same, whatever, 12 bars of chord changes over and over and over again. I think he, he kind of came up with something new. It's not new anymore, but, you know, back then it was really new. And he's, he's still doing it. And one, one thing real quick, you know, I've had the fortunate pleasure to tour with him twice to open for Dylan. And some nights it's pure genius. Other nights it's like, whoa. But I will say this, the man is constantly reinventing himself. Constantly. That's why it's hard to recognize songs sometimes live in concert. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I think the point you were getting to, Freddie, is that kind of right when, when Dylan with his lyrics and everything, it's like this, this, the, the, uh, the nature of this, the songs he was writing was kind of like a, the kind of the beginning, let's say an extension of what he got through, but kind of the beginning where songs could like be about something, like like a serious subject or something. It's more than like, before before that, it's just all about love and sugar right. and dancing and everything. Right. And then with Dylan, it's like, oh hey, he's talking about like issues in the world and stuff. Like, what's this? Right. Yeah, it became yeah. like, oh, we can like write songs like that. We can write songs about like things going on. I mean, say yeah. after he did that, but not like he didn't quite have the uh, the uh, the quite the appeal that Dylan had. Maybe it's just more more recorded music and everything, and and just maybe a general little more of a widespread gift for for songwriting. Right. Right. And for me, I love how Dylan, it's like um, so many of his songs, like you're talking about that long form thing. Yeah. It's like a modern reimagining of the, the old murder ballad thing, you know, from like the oh, old yeah. days of England and Scotland. Like that was part I, of how they, they no, told the news was through these long form songs with lots of verses. And they would um, tell these essentially folk tales of, of murder, which sounds really dark. But Dylan <laughs> took that and he like, He's run with that in a way that's so imaginative and, Absolutely. Um, and really amazing. Yep, no doubt. And, and so for for folks like myself that um, that don't get it, um, what would you? <laughs> <laughs> how would you? How would you help us? So one of the things in general. Hold on. In general, there's a lot. Of, there's not a lot, but some of the songwriters that um, that you've kind of picked. Um, you know, one way or another, I don't get. Um, but Bob Dylan is just one of those that I just way don't get. So for someone who, and I want to get. Right, um, right. Like Bruce Springsteen is another one where I'm like, I really want to get him, but I don't get him. Right. What What Odd, do you say to us? Oddly enough, they were both signed by the same guy, John Hammond. Signed mm. both of them. The bane of your existence, Aaron. He also signed Billy Holiday and stevie ray vaughn so uh i i think we talked about him in a previous pod uh anyway so i don't know one of the focus key tracks that i put was like a rolling stone which isn't necessarily a political song he's just talking about someone maybe an ex but it's a very important track because it's kind of when Dylan went electric and uh, there was a lot of controversy about that. You know, uh, is it No Direction Home? Was a documentary made and I think he goes over to London and he's got the guys from the band backing him up and people are shouting, Judas, you know, you know, this is horrible. How dare you? You know, they wanted to hear him play acoustic ballad you know, when I say ballad, I mean like folk. And he actually came out and played a couple songs just probably so they wouldn't overturn his limo at the end of the night. <laughs> but anyway, that's one of the focus tracks for me is like a Rolling Stone. And by uh, the way, where is that kind of passion today? Could you imagine something like that happening now? No. I mean, what would you have to do? I mean, right. Miley Cyrus, go hip hop. 
<laughs> I mean, she even did her freak out thing with Wayne Coyne and, and, and didn't do nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, right. No one, no one is uh, shocked anymore. For desensitization. But I think, to, to get to your point, Aaron, um, I think with, with Dylan and Springsteen, both, it's like their message kind of overrides like their, their, their vocal abilities to a point. Because like, I think, and you are such a, a vocal-centric person that... Uh, am I? Am I? <laughs> I would think so. As a singer, like <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, like, I've I've noticed that a lot of times your criteria concerning whether you like someone or not is whether they can sing. In your opinion, we'll get to so, that. We'll get to that later. But I'm sorry, I didn't directly answer your question. <laughs> Spring and by the way, Springsteen, a big part of his whole thing is the live thing, the live show. Sure. I mean, the guy goes out and basically dies on stage for three hours you know he, he he leaves it all on the stage if you've ever seen him but that, that he's not part of this list so yeah <laughs> he, he's an honorable mention though he's uh, that's um, for sure speaking of like songwriters that you know that i i don't get or haven't gotten um adam with jeff tweedy um i gotta tell you um so with jeff tweedy i love uh Everything after Sky Blue Sky. Um, I get it. I love it. I know it. I know all this all the lyrics, all the, everything. But before that, um, I don't I didn't understand what was happening. Um and uh but on the Spotify playlist, you kind of listed some songs from uh was Summer Teeth, is that right? Yeah, awesome. Um yeah. Uh, Ghost is Born. Yeah, is that right? That's the one right before um, Sky Blue Sky. So, kind of tell me, um, I guess, his evolution from from getting there to you know, kind of where he is, you know, today. Well, it's uh, I mean, you know, from the, if you go way back on the same to Uncle Tupelo, he was just kind of a sideman for uh, Jay Farrar in a, in a, for then. I mean, he did write a song or two there, but you listen to the stuff, and he, he just sounds like some pimple faced kid, you know, trying to write his first song. And Jay Farrar's got this like this rich like, you know mature voice and i think he they they in their years of playing together he kind of he kind of kind of found his his way and then i say like, then he started with a what was it when he broke off being there not being there oh uh, am and then it's like he's still very country because they were like uncle tupelo was like all country and then and then and then he kind of when he went off as you know being there he starts to get it a little bit more he had a partner at the time jay bennett who was like very much into this color guy and uh very underrated and but uh they, but they kind of had their, they kind of had their falling out. I mean, Summer Teeth, I think, where it all came together, like his old style and where his future came. I thought it just, it, for me, it, 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 you know, checks the right boxes for me. And then uh, during Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which I think is their best album, I didn't pick any tracks for the, I did a couple on the on the big list, but uh, him and Jay Jay Bennett had their falling out, and then, um, and I think, you know, because, uh, and then he moved on for a. Uh, a ghost is born, and actually, funnily enough, I just read his bio as of the last couple of years. And the ghost is born. He was almost kind of writing a like a veiled message to his kids because he was so addicted to so many things at the time. He thought he was going to die, and like, he did all the guitars on it and everything. And then after that, that's when he discovered. That's when like your your change, Aaron, comes when he gets Nels, and I, and I get that. I mean, Nels is one of my favorite all time guitarists, and 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 also. Uh, it was a Glenkowski on the drums. He actually unceremoniously kicked out his old drummer, name name escaping me. But um, yeah, I guess. And then when he picked up, now, I mean, it's funny that you love Sky Blue Sky so much. And like the Wilco Cannon is considered like his dad rock, quote unquote, like Kern. But and I don't agree with that sentiment. But uh, a uh, it's kind of like there's the old Wilco and the new Wilco. And there's like kind of camps for that. And I and I like and like Wilco the album is okay. New Love I kind of like or whole love. I'm sorry. Um, and, but then I think his latest one, um, Ode to Joy, he really kind of, he's kind of, he's kind of find, found a new, like more, even more personal way of writing as a reason. I think it's, and that's the thing with, with the songwriter, you can never look at the whole body of work of, of a songwriter. Cause there's gotta be too much to look at. Like, there's gotta be, there's, there's exploration, there's ups and downs. And, and I know you're still a little dismissive of the early stuff, but I still find a lot of great stuff in there. And then I still find great stuff to this day. Even his, his solo album he did that accompanied his memoir, Warm, is just, I mean, just great, great stuff. He's just always, he's, just, he's always thinking about something. 
Yeah. I, I'll tell you one thing that what did it for me, I was always like sort of a casual Wilco fan, but then that collaboration with Mavis Staples or like, you know, like you couldn't think of odd or odd couples in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then you listen to that song he wrote for her, You Are Not Alone. It sounds like a Jeff Tweedy song. It's undeniably a Jeff it's Tweedy song. His core changes. His core changes are in there. Yep, they're in there. And she's singing it. And it's it's such a cool example of like a, a just a very unobvious collaboration. Hmm. And I was I, I got a lot of respect for him because that showcased his songs in a way because he wasn't performing. You know. Hmm. I think that's a it's a key point, um, especially with the uh, thinking about it. And I I'm just talking out out my you know way out but um <laughs> but it seems to me like that his songwriting has evolved to so he has these jeff tweedy isms um especially in like i think in the core changes and oh, i think absolutely. early on i didn't hear them but like on his later records i heard them all the time hmm. um and so for me that's that's a key thing of why i really appreciate his songwriting now as opposed to before because i don't hear those interesting um turns and change and that's funny because i was saying there's two different camps in this and there's like people were that are like you know sky blue sky was the beginning of the end and then there's people that you're like sky blue sky was the beginning of the beginning and that's and that's you know it's it's an interesting that there's two solid camps on that and they and they and, and they're and they're both very steadfast and they're both kind of right in a way right right um speaking of um you know so i, I think adam was saying i love vocalists um, there's a vocalist on here that um, it seems like everyone loves, um, but I just don't seem to like. Uh, but I love, uh, I loved her her songwriting and changes. And, and this is in Spotify playlist. Um, Freddie, tell me about Laura Nero. Why? Why? What's up? What's up with Laura Nero? Her voice. I'm. I'm. I wasn't really digging, but her actual song, the 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 actual song. Maybe not the lyrics, but. The, the you know the chord changes and even Very some of the rhythm changes it's really yeah. interesting stuff really yeah yeah she she's got an interesting she had an interesting voice uh and it's not for everyone <laughs> but yeah she could write some songs it's a very she's a very new york type of uh vibe to hmm. it hmm. in my opinion well, so is Carol King, but I think Laura Nero even more so, uh, maybe because she was younger. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, here I'm reading a little blurb. Her style was a hybrid of brill building style, New York pop, jazz, rhythm, blues, show tunes, rock, and soul. She was praised for her strong, emotive vocal style and three-octave mezzo-soprano vocal range, which is, you know, her voice was, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot to to take in. And if you weren't a fan of that style of singing, probably wasn't going to sit well with you. But the whole point of this episode is songwriting right not not the singing so her songwriting speaks to me um and i've just always been a fan everything Hmm. i've ever heard that she oddly enough she did an album here in philly with labelle and it was oh, all wow. covers, and it's amazing. Hmm. Highly recommended. But obviously, I didn't add that to the list because none of the songs on there were songs written by her. Mm-hmm. Oh. Adam, I have a question for you before yeah, we really change the subject. Randy Newman, do you know the song Baltimore? Yeah. And why isn't it? Why isn't it on your list? Because I think it's one of the greatest songs ever written. Obviously, Nina Simone's version oh. is incredible. Oh, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I, I, I just had a hard time narrowing it down. I was a little too heavy on the sail away, and and I, that's a great song too. I played that song before. It's yeah. deep, very yeah. deep. I just couldn't pick ten, and I get, I get the little criminals, and I'm like, I'm like, Baltimore is great. Yeah, I don't know. Understood. I think I understood. Picked, I think I picked Ryder in the rain just because, uh, 
Maybe I was trying to reach across the aisle to Aaron. I get oh, it. I get eagle. it. Here's some eagles singing with them. Maybe you'll like this. <laughs> yeah. No, I, but I love, I love, uh, I love Baltimore. I love his version. Oh. And and Nina's uh, reggae version. Oh, the Baltimore as well. Baltimore yeah. was on on the cusp for Spurs. Yep. For Spurs. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, no, going to Randy Newman. Um, yeah, I really, I really dig uh, a lot of what Randy Newman. Um, does especially the all the songs you posted in a spotify playlist adam um they're really cool tunes um tell me a little bit about um you know randy newman and kind of uh where he sits um in in your songwriting world um well uh we uh you know for information for you know pointless information for everybody uh my when i started up my record club with some old buddies of mine a few years back uh, the first two artists we did when at this time we were doing full catalogs was um, Graham Parsons and Randy Newman. And so I was digging right into this and uh, and I, I on, on our little our shorter list, I, I picked a memo to my son because I was listening to Sail Away a ton at the time. And it was like right around the time my son Ryder was born. And, you know, there was always those times in your life or momentous occasions where certain music always kind of latches onto you. And so that's why that Sail, Sail Away uh, album is always just kind of tied in with like, you know, memos on my son. I always imagine myself kind of singing it to him or, you know, it always made me think of him. But, um, and, and it's just as far as you get, you just digging deep into the, his writing. He just, just consistently just, it just consistently hits the right changes. And it's saying that we're, it's a little bit of a dry wit to it, but, uh, he, he just, is always, uh, I don't, how do I put it? He's just, he never strays his, his songs. He's never like straight, straying too far from, from his everything strong. He's never like kind of lost himself. And like some of the later albums get a little, little dated in, in, in production, but he's always just kind of, he always kind of hangs up there with quality of songs. There's not a lot of throwaways. Am I, am I listening to, to his songs and his, and his records? Um, that that's one thing I do um, find is that there's always a high quality to his work. Um, but um, as a songwriter, um, uh, I, I there's when I listen to him, mm-hmm. it's this, it's like a lot of sameness, I guess, because his voice. He's not um, a very talented singer. But um, I kind of got into him um, listening to that um, Nielsen sings oh, yeah. uh, Newman album. Oh yeah, um, and I'd recommend that um, for for any of anybody out there that can't get into his voice. Um, you know, when when Harry Nielsen is singing, uh, his um his songs like what is it? And uh, Randy Newman, Caroline, and, uh, I'll be home. Yeah. Um, that's just tremendous. And Dancing tremendous. Bear. I mean, just and yeah, like Randy, and like how many times do you get like a an album where someone like sings your songs and tribute two albums into your career, and they have you play piano on it? It's really it's just Nielsen, Randy Newman, and and that's it on that whole album. And it's just and then just a bunch of like vocal treatments from Nielsen. It's just. And yeah, that, yeah, right. That's that is Aaron. I totally agree. That's the ultimate gateway because he is. I mean, and we're talking about like he, he's not like the consummate performer. He's just the guy that brings in the good songs. Right, right. Speaking of good songs, Carol King. Tell me about her, Brendan. Um, she has all the good songs. She kind of uh, well, does. Not all the good songs. She has a lot of good songs. A lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I, again, to me, just kind of the ultimate songwriter. And like, just thinking of the range, you've got. Your songs are are covered by everyone from the animals to Aretha Franklin. What else do you need to say? I don't know what I don't know. I just finished <laughs> <laughs> I just finished her uh, autobiography recently. Highly recommend it. Cool. Highly recommend. Um so t- tell me a little bit so I know I know Carol King from, you know, Tapestry and all her work before Tapestry. But as a songwriter, uh, tell me about what she was doing like after um, Tapestry, because um, at least for me, and you know, so um, you know, I, I just kind of I'm drawn to blank. Um, so um, you know, tell me a little bit about you know her songwriting th- then. Yeah, I mean, she continued to make records for sure. They're definitely not as well known, and I won't pretend to say that I know them deeply. I've I've sort of cruised through them here and there, but yeah, I think Tapestry for in terms of critical claims seem to be the peak mm, mm, mm. um and staying with you brendan um tom petty so tom petty um i found his songs to be all great um they they just they they find they sit in the spot where um 
he's just doing all like the right things like where it's like not um the lyrical thing is not too long the melody is like right on it's just something you just want to hear again and again um tell me a, a little bit about um you know kind of your love for tom petty because to be honest with you that i didn't think you would like tom petty at all i thought totally that was adam's pick yeah yeah 100%. it could have easily been my pick and it's interesting with this show it's our picks don't always have to be our favorites it's our picks can encapsulate who we regard as the masters of whatever the topic is and so i think my picks are a little bit of that in in terms of like i i as i said i couldn't deny petty and i am a petty fan but i'm not I'm not putting on the records and spinning them all the time, but when they come on and as they do, because he's everywhere. I mean, anytime you put the radio on, it's, you're going to hear a petty song. It seems, um, what does it for me is like the simplicity of the musical aspect and yet how amazingly catchy it is. And then the lyrical stuff, there's no fluff there, but there's a directness and there's an honesty. Absolutely. It's, he, he tapped right into it all the time. It was you know, in, in every man's voice, but, uh, that every man happens to be a poet and can write beautifully simple songs. Yeah, he just cut all the fat. Totally. That, that's what I really appreciate about um, him as a songwriter is like, he just cuts all the fat. Totally. Um, I, I watched, a, there's a documentary about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and it's terribly long. It's like pushing four hours, I think. I watched the whole yeah. thing and it was great. And I think- It was. I oh, think yeah. I, I, I watched it when it came out and it came out a bit ago and that gave me a whole new respect for him and put him much more on- I sort of regarded him in higher esteem in terms of him as a writer. I have a quick anecdote if I could interject, because yes, this could have easily been my pick, but I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Petty fan and I spin his records all the time, all the time, all the time, <laughs> just, just, to, just to put that up. But, um, uh, and it's one of those guys that's like, I wish I would have seen him more. I, I, I saw him with the Heartbreakers twice, but then the show I want to talk about is a, a couple years before he passed, he got back because when he initially moved from Florida to LA, he was in a um, he was actually the bass player of the band, and they were called Mud Crutch. And they kind of it's like three of it's I mean it's Ben Montench and it's Mike Campbell, but then there's like and then a couple guys that that uh, that you know they moved on from, and but then he came and brought them back, and they did a couple records together. And I got to see um, he was he's touring on the Mud Crutch Two album, and I saw him. He played at the Fillmore. I was there. Yeah. The, oh my. It was God. great. Oh my. It God. was great. It was like the coolest VH1 storytellers I've ever. It was heard. so cool. It's just he talked. He just like, and it's a bunch of songs. None of his hits. It's all these songs they just wrote nope. as a unit. He's playing bass, and he talked. He talked for like five minutes before every song, and nobody like you could hear. I mean, everyone just stood at attention yeah. and just listened, and it was, it was. I don't remember him talking a lot, but I do remember that the people were respectful. Nobody was shouting out like "refugee," you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Like it, it was none of that. Yeah. Everybody mm -hmm. was cool. I remember as you get two, you can only get they two tickets. Great! Oh my god, they yeah. sounded incredible. I mean, yeah, for the I mean, uh, the film or Philly fits well, like twenty five hundred max. It's like to see him in there, and and uh, you can only get two tickets, and you had to pick them up the day of at will call, and it was just. Uh, Oh yeah, no, that's awesome. I didn't know you were there, Freddie. That was yeah, that's a, that's oh, yeah. a very memorable. You know, I've been to many, many shows, and that's one that will always stand out to me. That was great. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to um, one of my picks now. Yes, <laughs> Rufus Wainwright. Um, how, are you guys familiar with Rufus Wainwright at all? Oh, yeah. um, have you heard his stuff? Somewhat. I see Freddie. So what are your thoughts on Rufus, Freddie? Uh, that what was his first solo album? Uh, Terrible. Terrible. No. Wait, the one with <laughs> cigarettes and coffee? Oh, uh, I don't know. That. No, 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 no. That, there was there was one like way way the like oh. first. There was one like um, before before Want One. I'm not know. a huge fan, but that one album to me is really good. And self-titled is his first one. I, I've seen. Hold on, I've seen him twice. Uh, I saw him at the uh, Electric Factory, and it was actually the best-sounding album, album, best-sounding show I've ever seen at the factory. It was a seated show, and the volume was great. Band sounded great. I didn't and... make the Electric Factory sound good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> poses, poses, that album. Poses. 
Yeah, that's, that's a great a, album. That's a really good album. And then I saw him. We played played a bill together in, in Holland in, at the uh, North Sea Jazz Festival. And I, I wasn't having it. <laughs> and I also I also saw him in uh I saw him in Montreal. Uh he was doing a thing at a venue that we were playing at the following night. So they the promoter comped us and it was really cool. It was just acoustic and he had his mom and his aunt aunts sit in and it was it was like a family hoedown. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not Generally, I'm not a huge fan of uh, his. Or what of his songwriting? Like I said, that Pose's album is great. Yeah. How about you guys? How about you other guys? Um, Brandon, what do you, do you, are you familiar at all? Yeah, totally. I've been a fan for a while. I think Want One was my entry, and then I went back and listened to Pose's and Want Two and all that. As a songwriter, undeniably great, for sure. As a performer, I love when he leans on that Baroque pop thing. And then sometimes it leans a little to the schmaltz, a little to the cabaret musical theater, which starts to starts to get away from my my particular tastes. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. There's 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 parts of his catalog that I'm just like, this is terrible. Um, yeah. But it's just like um, you know, uh, same thing with him and Prince are very similar to me in the fact that there's many Prince songs that are just the worst. Um, but I'll keep coming back because I know there will be, you know, three or four songs on each record that'll blow my mind. Right um, and so from a songwriter standpoint, um, that's why he, you know, occupies such a, a strong, um, place in, uh, in my heart. Um, and, um, same thing with, with Prince. I mean, um, Prince has, he has a whole bunch of albums that I just don't even know um well, just because no I, I mean unless you listen to no other music how, how could you um <laughs> yeah like in the was it the late 90s when he kind of did his own thing um like he, less, he went, released crystal ball and some of these other things like uh um, got more albums than nah. Zappa, probably eventually i'll get to them and there'll be like one or two songs that'll blow my mind um, but in general, um, just his full output, the, the songwriting is just like so good. And that's why you can't look at, you gotta, you gotta look at, you can't look at the, you know, the other you can't look at the whole thing. You gotta go in and out. And it, I mean, Prince has what, like a 10 year album streak that is really hard to touch, you know? And who knows what's yeah. going to come out from the estate now? Well, from the 175 yeah. from the vault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, are you guys, um, yeah. Are you guys just cool with Prince? Are you just like, hey, he's cool. I kind of am. <laughs> no, really? Are you serious? Uh, I, a little bit. You're, you're giving the Billy Joel treatment? No, 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 no. Not even close to that. I'm cool. I'm cool with Prince. I think for me, it's a little, it can get a little hot or cold for me. Yeah, of course. For yeah. my taste. And so, and, and admittedly, like, I'm not deep into the catalog like you are. And I, and I should be. And so maybe I'm talking out of turn with that, but, um, for me, true. the highlights of Prince, it doesn't get much better. But then I'll, some of the records I'll put on, and maybe I'm not in the right mood for it. I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, no, I could totally see that. Like, there's a, so I put on the, um, I put on the, the Spotify playlist, a song called Temptation. Um, and uh, it's, it's very weird. Or uh, A Condition of the Heart. Um, I think I put that on there as well. And that's like way weird. Um, but I think that just like, um, fits on my personality of just like super interesting musically stuff where, where there's good vocals um, <laughs> and it's weird. Um, so that's your thing. You go that, from that's that definitely you go from that self-titled that shirtless one to off until sign of the times. I think they're all great. Every single album. Yeah, yeah. Spe speaking of good vocals, uh, we have Joni Mitchell on our list. Um, I think her vocals are tremendous. Um, and, uh, actually I discovered that, that, that song coyote, uh, fairly recently, I'd say oh, really? a month ago. Oh, yeah. And, um, I listened to it incessantly. Um, and then I tried to listen to the album and I was like, Hmm, this song doesn't sound like the other ones on the album. It was written a little before um, the. And, and so to tell me a little bit about Joni Mitchell, um, what I find, um, so, so great about at least the songs you put on the, the playlist mm -hmm. were the songs where she has a strong rhythm section. Um, I love. 
um, but where it's where the rhythm is kind of like um, just like acoustic guitar or something, um, I kind of like wane back and forth. Um, See, I'm the opposite. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. T- tell me yeah, about that. Yeah. Well, because I think her voice, I don't know, when she has strong accompaniment, accompaniment especially, I still butchered that song. When she has a strong band playing behind, a song, word, band playing behind her, especially on the earlier stuff, it kind of takes away from the song for me. Well, I like the sparser, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean new. Oh, no, no, please. I mean, this derail your, Oh, don't derail. There. I mean, this is as good <laughs> your pick as mine. I, I just, I just started my list before, you know, and, and I, 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 I like them both. I don't know if I have a preference of either, but I think maybe at your point, Freddie, maybe those, she was such a, like coming from the coffee shop type that any rhythm section early on was kind of contrived a little bit, probably. And then exactly. she started exploring jazz a little bit more. And then, and then you kind of feel that a little bit on a uh, I mean, and on uh, Coyote. I mean, and jo- Jaco Pistorius plays on half. Right. Uh, Jira. Right. I mean, those harmonics he does on Coyote just melt you. Yeah. yeah. That song is, I heard this. I was just riding my bike and I just, I had to stop my bike and, and just like listen to the song. Um, because I couldn't like finish, I couldn't focus and ride my bike. And such um, a narration. That's how, but that, that's, that's how, uh, you know, uh, you know, non multitasking I am, and uh, and it's, I mean, she's got you know, and, and she likes those open tunings, you know. I think she, uh, she, oh, yeah. he, I mean, David Crosby produced her first album. I don't think they really got along all so well. I mean, I think, uh, I think Crosby would like to think they got along, but she was actually, uh, dating Graham Nash at the time. And, and Our House by uh, Crosby Stills Nash is Graham Nash writing about Joni Mitchell wishing they could settle down together, which is an interesting, uh, sidebar but um what i wanted to bring up as far as like the same her writing she just gets those phrases in that like no other like no other artist like no one can cover joni mitchell at least i think and do it justice and that's kind of a different than a lot of like you know bob dylan people can say people do his stuff better like randy newman in the same respect that people do uh but uh like joni you know joni does joni and just and like that why is that why 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 is that why can't really why don't you hear a bunch of just like Joni Rich, uh, Joni Richard, Joni Mitchell co- covers like out there, like all all out there? It's a unique combination of talents, I, I think, especially in 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 the in the, the her phrasing. Her phrasing is just like sometimes she gets words in a phrase. And I'm like, how did you make that work? Like if I would have had that on paper and tried to make that work, it would have been a jumbled mess. But she finds like it's mm. it's, it's her, her uniqueness in that. And what I just what I, while I had my well, I have my soapbox here. I kind of wanted to, um, and, and great lyrics and very like these, these very um, same as kind of like was doing like questioning questioning things. And and on uh, the song about uh, don't interrupt the sorrow from his you know, summer lawn summer lawns, which might be my favorite of hers. There's this one stanza she writes that is just like I kind of question religion a little bit, which I think you know not a lot of people were doing that in the early seventies. I, I would say, but it goes it just goes as I hear it's like truth goes up in vapors. The steeples lean. Winds have changed, patriarchs, snug in your Bible Belt dreams. God goes up the chimney like childhood Santa Claus. The good slaves love the good book. A rebel loves a cause. It was like, damn, you know? It's like, that's some profound shit right there, you know? It hit you hard, buddy. It did. Um, and, um, you know, speaking of somebody who had uh, great lyrical uh, uh, ability, um, putting, uh, like, I, uh, like we were mentioning before, Pagliacci, in a song, uh, Smokey Robinson, um, that dude wrote a lot of his songs for a lot of people. Oh um, yeah, and um, he was really good at songwriting. Um, <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about Smokey. Well, let's look at the songs. That, I mean, I didn't know this, but he wrote "Who's Loving You," one of my favorite all-time songs. I didn't know that either. Of- Ever. Song is killer. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that uh, on the playlist. I was like, yeah, but did he write this? Yeah. And I was like, wow. My girl. Yeah, take it or leave it. Come on. And he, you know, he's picking the, you know, the the other Temps albums. He's not picking that one. Right. And then he turned around and wrote my guy. <laughs> Again. Ooh, baby, so baby. I think I think when I was I in mean, the York Street Hustle, when I was in the York Street Hustle, those songs were I was I always gave that an eh. I know, but because you've heard them a million times. That's probably but there's right. a reason. 
That's probably why. Oh, uh, the hunter gets captured by the game. What a great song that is. That is a good Jerry song. Jerry Garcia does a great version of that. I mean, you really got a hold on me. Mm, great song. I mean, Hate there's that song. so many that were left off cruising. Cruising. My jam. Yeah, right. I don't know. I mean, I got I got turned on to the miracles at a really young age. I had a uh friend uh parents my parents friends lived across the street and they're they had teenagers and a boy and a girl and they were big into motown and they turned me on to the miracles and i was like man shop around what a great song yeah. i mean all these great songs and you know back then a lot of people that were in groups weren't songwriters no they weren't then then i found out hey that guy you know, standing at the front of the group, he yeah. he wrote most of these songs. So that's when I started having a, a new appreciation for uh, Smokey Robinson. And yeah, then the Beatles, sure. Beatles covered a bunch of his songs. So right, you know, and, and Brendan, as a as a uh, our a resident jazz guy and soul guy uh, and everything guy, I'm a hack uh, both. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um. um <clears throat> I know you play a lot of uh, Smokey Robinson songs um, in the Yorkshire Hustle. Um, has uh, you know, has his songwriting kind of rubbed off on you, or have you learned anything from, you know, playing a lot of his songs? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And it's interesting. I, I do have to feign a little bit of ignorance because a couple of the tunes you you mentioned, Freddie, I didn't know were Smokey songs. But now thinking about them, and at least like from from the bass chair. There is a thread there. There's a thread between all those songs that that I that I know how to play, and um, and the writing and the chord progressions, and they're they're like deceptively not simple. Like some of the chord changes are really not intuitive at all. Um, well, beyond the fact that it's maybe Jamerson playing. Well, of course, yeah. Saying. I mean that's right. yeah, that's a, right. a whole other conversation for sure. Right. But um, right. yeah, just purely about the songs and the progressions and the melodies, you can definitely wow. hear a thread. And that that to me is the shows the fingerprints of a great writer. Right on. And also I, I want to add real quick that some of these songs he may have co-written with other people, but definitely a lot of the ones on my list are pure smoky. Speaking of um great co-writers for Smokey and um great songwriters in general, uh, my number one pick, Stevie Wonder, um uh for me he is the tops of the tops and when i when i listen to him i think of a picture and that picture is like all in color the lines are cool it's just a, such a cool picture and uh, basically i compare every other songwriter to him and some people might have cool lines but it, it's a black and white picture some people might have lots of colors but the lines are all screwed up or some people might have the the lines and the great color, but their paper is uh, made on toilet paper. Um, so it's just like, that's kind of the way I see other songwriters in comparison to Stevie wonder. Um, do you guys feel the same exact way as I do? <laughs> I go with you, Adam. Well, okay. Well, given a, that's a yes. Brendan. <laughs> Yeah, if you, I knew you'd put him on the list, and if you didn't, I would have. I, but I pose a question in ter while we're talking imagery and color. How much is it that influenced by the album covers? Because he definitely had a, theme, ah. like a lot of earth tones and yes. and geometry and, and things like that. Like to me, the album covers look like how the music sounds. I, I totally agree with you that, um, but I think the music sounds. And he's never seen so. any of his album covers either. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, for those of you that don't know, all you new listeners out there, <laughs> breaking news, breaking news. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I mean, did he? Did he? Does anyone know? Did he have a hand in designing his covers? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I will say uh, to to shift slightly, but I'm going to cross pollinate. I don't know if anyone noticed on our Spotify playlist because we need to plug that. That has all of the amazing songs we're talking about. I posted the version of Summertime, which is on Herbie Hancock's album, Gershwin's World. So obviously it's written by Gershwin, but it features mm -hmm. Joni Mitchell on vocals who you may not recognize if you listen to it. It doesn't oh, sound. I didn't 
pick up on wow. exactly yeah wow. and stevie is playing the melodica wow or i'm sorry the chromatic harmonica his thing yeah um yeah so that's that's sort of in our list a little bit just didn't have one from freddie on that song not that i know of all right well at least stevie's playing harmonica and not bob dylan so <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that was a win um kidding bob um, and and one, one other thing about Stevie Wonder for me is, um, so there's this uh, new, 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 new cat out there, Jacob Collier, um, and oh, yeah. he, I, I really uh, like him, but um, to go back to the, my analogy is when I listen to him, he gives me a lot of the, um, you know, the colors as far as like the amazing colors when I listen to him, it's just very vivid, but, um, you know, the lines are not as, as sharp. Um, and that's what I'm, when I listen, so when I listen to him, I'm always like hoping he, um, like his, his lines is his vocal performance his the, the song itself was sharper. Um, and so that's the kind of the comparison that I'm talking about in terms of, um, what, you know, what Stevie Wonder does for me. Um, it's interesting that two of your picks are guys that play everything. Yeah, Stevie and Prince, and I think Jacob Collier is like that as well, right? Yeah, Doesn't he yeah. play a million yeah, he instruments? Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Um, oh. I date that guy, but uh, you know, that's just a comparison. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to go. Um, before we we get out of here, um, there are specifically two songwriters that we did not uh put on our list. Um, and I was wondering why. Um, and these guys are, um, well, three. Let's go three, but up really two. Come on, let's be honest. We know. Um, Lennon, huh? McCartney, Who? Lennon, yeah. McCartney. Lennon, McCartney, and Harris. I know. Um, it's hard to separate. Yeah, that's what, a whole, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what happened, guys? I don't know. I had the same thought. Did they Did they make your list? I mean, were, were you like, no, no, that'll be just like a separate one or, you know. Or even, or even for 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 that matter, uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Keith Richards and, uh, and the other Mick, Chick, yeah. Mick Jagger. Well, yeah, the podcast was not best songwriting twins. teams. It wasn't best songwriting teams. You separate Lennon and McCartney. Do they stand up? I don't know. Uh, no? After a certain time, they were separate, but yeah. they made records together. So but, I mean, yeah, still the, exactly. There's still the Lennon McCartney like credit. There's the thing. I will. Yeah, you could tell. You could tell who wrote them. Yeah, it was clear. Yeah, generally, who sang? It was more who the publishing administration thing. I, I will right. say, Paul was on my list initially, and I, I'm going through a bit of a, like a Paul Renaissance personally right now of just really just finally appreciating him as a songwriter. So I was going to put him on my list because I was always more of a George and John guy. But um, wow. it's one of those things when we do this, it's like. When the lists are so hard to make, I feel like the Beatles are kind of the first to go because they're almost implied with a lot of these. Right. And and there's, there's, there's so much. I mean, I mean, I was in sixth grade. I had a whole semester in sixth grade where we did just the Beatles. You know what I mean? It's like, I think the Beatles are like that. Um, they're that uh, given in, in any equation when you're talking about any of this stuff. It's just like, do we need to talk about them? I think it's more of what, you know. <laughs> It's a well, separate pot. Yeah. Separate pot. I will. I will say that. Um, so Rufus Wainwright, as my pick, was my cop out for the Beatles. Um, I was like, oh, I can put Paul on there. I could put, uh, you know, uh, John on there or George on. There. I mean, I could put anyone on there. Sure. Um, but kind of Rufus also gives me that same sort of feeling, um, as as those guys. So I was like, well, he's just my stand-in okay. um, for for the Beatles. And I have to just give okay. a shout out to the. Um, the the singer songwriter like um genre especially the uh the just past john prine i mean if you're talking songwriting his first album or like guy clark towns van zandt those guys are all just songs and that but like uh, you know just we didn't have a lot of time for honorable mentions but those guys were just like you know willie nelson willie, willie, yeah, yeah for and, sure and how about bob marley who doesn't get enough credit as he, a songwriter? you know what he was he crossed my mind. He's definitely an uh, uh, honorable mention of mine well, for sure. A guy that opened and closes the door for the sure. basically. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't agree with that though. But <laughs> anybody else. <laughs> hey. <laughs> That's why we're here, isn't it? 
Yeah. Any, any any other any other ones that we're kind of just like totally missing? I can't think of. Mozart. I mean, there's Bruce. We mentioned there's, Bruce. Um, right. Mozart, Beethoven, Haydn, <laughs> those cat, yeah. all those cats. Yeah. <laughs> Ellington. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. 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 The list is finite. Uh, you know, you can't have an. It, yeah, man. It's not a an infinite list. I we got we got to close the refrigerator door. Yeah. They, yep. Yeah. Got to fit some other. So things. anybody that didn't make the list sucks. And on that note, guys, welcome to, I mean, not welcome to, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the list, a right fiction podcast. Um, you can hear us, uh, again next week where we talk about something very amazing. I'm not sure yet. Uh, so, uh, stay tuned and we'll be back with you, um, in a week. Take care.